Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Chadwell. With me, as always, is Thomas Brooks. Hello, hello. And Sarah Tracy. Hello. So in this whirlwind of busyness that we've all been dealing with this last couple of weeks, um, we're, we're finally getting back together uh, to, to kind of continue our conversations on serial killers and psychology. You know, we've talked about dark triad. We've covered psychopathy. We've covered narcissism. And I guess, would you say, Sarah, that this, uh, the person we're going to talk about today fits that kind of narcissistic label or is it sort of like uh oh a hundred percent hundred percent which is why uh, why i uh, largely why i chose him um also I, I know his case well but um yeah when i was thinking about narcissism uh he came straight to mind yep so to not spoil it too much longer or not to, to hold it back too much longer, we're going to talk about the BTK. Or I guess, is it the BTK killer? Because like, isn't it like the K is kill? <laughs> I don't... Uh, uh, well, it's, so it stands for bind them, torture them, kill them. I My guess is as far as like media goes, they just kind of added in killer. So mm. wouldn't necessarily know, um, but... It's... It's it's catchier than the BT killer. True, true, yeah. <laughs> and also, it's what he wanted because he yeah. wrote letters to uh, to media, to law enforcement, and was like, "I shall hereafter be known as and them torture them, kill them." So he really wanted to have his own moniker there. Mm-hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. a little bit of like where that like the, the kind of narcissistic quality because some of the other people that we're going to talk about uh, over this this kind of season and the, the people we've talked about so far haven't really wanted to be open about any of this. They're they're not they're not trying to like prod and mess with the police. They're not trying to make themselves obvious. He's definitely someone who wanted to have some of that. Yes public attention a lot of like image crafting with this dude mm-hmm. well it, and it eventually we'll get to it eventually led to his demise mm-hmm. you know the, uh he his narcissism was his own worst enemy especially given how long um he went i believe his last now i'm just jumping right in whatever um mm-hmm. his last last time he killed was like nine I think it was 91. I, I, 91, yeah. And then it was 2005 when he was then eventually caught. So he and... Um, yes, yes, yes. Oh, wait, was that... So nine? Okay, so 1986. Oh, and, and that's right, sorry, 1991. Um, so this had been a long time um quite a long quote-unquote cooling off period for him and who who knows what occurred um he does have two children and i i have um you know videos uh there's a book by his daughter it took her years and years to actually come out with that and to feel comfortable enough and feel like it was therapeutic for her um but my guess is that his kids got a little bit older and maybe he just 
didn't want to ruin their lives. Though then when the whole case was brought up again, he just couldn't help himself and he mm. just couldn't let it go. Um, which again, we'll, we'll get to, but that's really what, what led to him getting caught. Um, yeah. Cause he yeah. got cold case. Like all of those cases were cold. So they weren't even yep. looking for him at that point. And then he was like, Hey, hey, hey give me the fame. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, um, uh, Huh. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I guess we can go back about him. Um, so Dennis Rader, R-A-D-E-R, and this was in Wichita, Kansas. Um, this he, the reason that he scares me so much is because he seemed almost too good on the outside to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, he was married. He had two children. He ironically actually worked for ADT, so the security system, which then, of course, he can, you know, go in and watch things later. Or he knows how to monitor people or what's involved with that. Um, he was <laughs> uh, obviously married. He got married what, in 1971 and, of course, was married until he was convicted in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he was part of the neighborhood watch. He was the president of his church's congregation. Yeah. Um, he was a, a Boy Scout leader. I mean, all of these things just almost seem like he is trying way too hard to cover up what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Was you teased this dude a couple episodes back? I think when you were talking about the guy that uh, was on the Boy Scout trip, yeah, and uh, left the yeah. trip when everybody was asleep to go kill somebody, and then he came back. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so literally the the perfect cover up, and just seemed like this stellar guy. Uh, took his daughter. You know, we don't. The son doesn't talk to anybody. Um, you know, hasn't talked to media or anything but the daughter talks about how she was a daddy's girl and how they'd go fishing and um he made a um a tree house for her and you know they she was a tomboy and they spent all this time together um and so for her it was so devastating mm-hmm. uh, to find out that this person that you think is and you know maybe in some senses he was a good I mean, you're really not a good dad if you're doing this other stuff. Like, knowing that right. that could eventually completely ruin your child's life. But, yeah, yeah, he really had this, exactly this sort of perfect cover-up. Um, he talked about it being the killer side of him. He called it the beast. Yeah. That would, like, rear its head and, like, interrupt his life and, like, how he didn't know how to cope with it or get help with mm-hmm. it because like if he were to go like tell somebody he's killed two people then like they would either laugh him out of the office or they'd call the police and freak out and right. so he's like so i'm just committed to this so i hope you catch me he yeah he said that he was able to really compartmentalize so he had his one life and that was you know the socially acceptable life then he had this other just awful awful life um, and it, it was sexual. It was, um, he wouldn't always have sex with them, but he would often, um, 
I'm thinking of one case in, in particular, and I, I do not remember which victim it was, but um, he he talks about it um, in this uh, this one recording from his from from court where he says, you know, he he broke into her house and then she was startled and he's like, hey, I just need your help. I have this sexual problem I need you to help me with. And she's like, all right. And of course, he's talking about this as if he you know, I got up in the morning, I had some coffee mm-hmm. and then maybe I had, you know, some cereal. Um, and, and says, he's like, yes, yeah, so then we talked for a bit. And I'm like, really, really? You just sort of chatted. This, this woman wasn't frightened at all. And he's like, yeah, then she wanted to go to the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom and I told her, I just, I just needed to have my sexual fantasy. And then, and then that would be it. Um, and he needed to tie her up for it. And, so yeah, he he just ends up strangling her, mm-hmm. um, killing her, and then masturbating over her body. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, of course, the manipulation. Um, I'm not actually like, okay, well, let, let, you know, just help me with this thing, and then I'll let you go. No, it was all this trickery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very 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 sexually motivated. Though, go ahead, Thomas. Oh, I was about to say, I feel like this is, like, one of the, like, we've hit, like, the peak and cooling off period patterns, yes. like, with this one that we've been missing with the other two, because, yeah. like, I also read that he, between these periods, when he was, like, doing his stalking, which he called trolling, yes, ironically, um, mm-hmm. that uh, he would do, like, cross-dressing, and he would do, like, Peeping Tom stuff, and, like, mm-hmm. autoerotic asphyxiation, and, like, yes. dress up as a woman and take pictures of himself, strangling himself, and yeah. then he would, like, find his new victim, and then put all of his energy in that for his, like, next peak, and then yeah. the cooling off was him just, like, self-satisfying himself as a transvestite. Exactly. Yeah, and... You know, I, I go back to this with so many different cases. If people just were allowed to be who they were openly, then maybe he could have just, he just could have, you know, dressed as a woman or, or whatever he needed to do there. And so then maybe it wouldn't have manifested itself in this, these other ways. Um, but it, yeah, he, he had very distinct cooling off periods where he was satiated, if you will, for a while, and then would find his next victim stalk this person see their pattern and then then go in when he he could i wonder though because like which one is like the root because like when we talked about like the precursors to like psychopathy mm-hmm. like he had all of the warning signs because oh, he yeah. was like zeus sadistic and like all sorts of crazy stuff growing up mm-hmm. um because like paraphilias tend to like cluster together so i'm wondering if like the transvestism Mm. was like the original one or if that Mm. came in later uh paired with the sadism and the uh asphyxiation fantasies Uh, yeah i i think that's very very plausible it makes sense you know if if you you're having initial feelings or you know ideas about who you are but yet you maybe don't feel um like you're it's it's socially acceptable to express them Mm -hmm. then yeah then certainly some of that still comes out but then it comes out in other ways as well yeah Yeah. that makes sense it 
and stuff like this like keeps coming up. I'm I'm listening to um, another podcast on on Jeffrey Dahmer right now, and really? it's it's kind of the pop thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, but talking about a lot of his like like a lot of his issues and 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 kind of urges yeah. and and feeling like he couldn't express aspects of his own sexuality and then you had um uh, the guy we talked about two weeks ago or three weeks ago at this point um but also like again like like what, what thomas was saying like how much of that is like the start and then like the repression and the self-hatred and the societal um kind of lumping some of that stuff on or is it like a piece of this sort of bigger puzzle where there's already some issues going on with the person and then you add this sort of self-hatred or this um, not being able to kind of express themselves in, in certain ways or uh, abuse from a parent or, or something like that oh, because yeah. of some of these things. And it's sort of like they, they were going to be a bit of a psychopath to start with, but this only made it worse. Or the 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 abuse made it worse, um, and then maybe mm -hmm. kind of like put them over the edge from being just sort of an unempathetic um, person who might manipulate people or, or use people in a negative way to someone who would kill. Mm -hmm. One of the articles I use in my sexuality class, and I can link this in our episode because I can't remember who the authors are right now. Um, I'm gonna look it up right now but basically the idea is that like there's a distinction between like paraphilic fantasies and behavior and like the key ingredient is the psychopathy and so like lots and lots of people have like asphyxiation fantasies or like sadist sadistic fantasies or like cross-dressing fantasies but like you need that like extra dark triad bump in order to actually move those fantasies into behavior Mm -hmm. yeah so, that makes sense you already need to be like kind of a bad person in order to do bad things <laughs> but a lot of people fantasize about bad things without actually ever doing them yeah or, or if they do it's you know just with themselves or with other consenting people it, it's a whole other level to then do those things with non-consenting people by force you know Mm -hmm. and i guess that's the difference with 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 btk for for this matter because like it, the way you're describing it is cooling down period he was doing it with himself he was engaging in a lot of these sort of fantasies or fetishes or whatever and then when the cooling down period's kind of over like maybe it just doesn't completely do it for he's he moves into that more extreme step but that that like crossing mm -hmm. the line likely has to come from the fact that that he's he's got these underlying psychopathy or issues whatever it may be mm -hmm. and this i found the article it's uh kevin williams et al 2009 inferring sexually deviant behavior from corresponding fantasies and the role of personality in pornography consumption turns out the only role is psychopathy that's <laughs> not the porn it's just psychopaths <laughs> It's, I mean, that's right. That's the base for mm -hmm. sure. Like yeah. you have, that is the necessary condition. And then from there, um, yeah, right. Things like abuse and head trauma and um, just uh, even more abuse in your, you know, by your parents and your family, things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
that. What I thought was interesting with this dude was that he talked about how his mom, his parents were uh, not like abusive, but negligent. And when we talked about uh, narcissism last week, uh, that was kind of one of those like theories around like how it develops as like parental negligence. And I was like, ooh, I wonder if that is like our like the type of abuse that occurs. That's why he became so narcissistic and then like outed himself to the whole like Wichita community later on. Yeah, yeah, he uh, right. I mean, it's it's just the classic core of being so unhappy and sort of unfulfilled and satisfied with yourself that you know you have to go to the other extreme. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, and I, I think that that's a, a huge part of it, um, neglect. And then if you think about that, if it's I mean, neglect is abuse. And, um, you know, if his parents were sort of not really there, then he's maybe not getting um, the interaction that he needs for his brain to develop correctly, without the nutrition, certainly not the coping skills, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so, yeah, I can see that that being a big part of it. And then uh, some boredom, maybe. You know, I mean, it, he, you know, he did harm animals, things like that. And so maybe it's like, well, nobody's watching. There's nothing to do. So what's more fun mm-hmm. to go do something naughty? I mean, maybe maybe not for everybody, but, <laughs> but, but certainly <laughs> I think I'm giving too much insight <laughs> to my past. Um, but, you, you know, certainly um, that's where some people go. They're like, bored. Let's, let's stir things up a little bit here. Sometimes uh, teenage rebellion is smoking pot with your friends behind the bleachers, right. and sometimes it's strangling small animals. <laughs> is it though? Every trash oh. can has its lid. Oh, 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 oh. that was unfortunately really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I know. I mean, it, right. It's one thing to like be a little bit naughty in some ways another another to be that deviant well i mean weed's legal nowadays anyway so certainly not for kids that young but um yes yes (laughs) Uh, oh yeah and he worked in the meat department for supermarket he worked in the meat and this dude was in the air force too so like we're still like two for two like in the military and knows how to cut up bodies or I guess processed meat. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, from my recollection, he did not. I'm like after I'm saying that, I don't believe he engaged in cannibalism. I don't think so. Um, and I, I know that he definitely moved at least one body. So there was a neighbor, um, who lived, uh, Mrs. Otero who lived down the, the street or, or a couple streets down. And I think this was, this was something he didn't, in, um, did not initially admit to, or I don't think he contacted police about this because it was literally too close. And so he was worried that he would be caught, but it was an older lady. And he and his daughter, he and his kids would go for walks. Hi, Miss Otero. You know, they'd just be neighborly and say hi to her. Well, then the poor he- daughter learns that she gets 
killed and her, later that her dad did it. I think he killed like half of that family because that was his first kill, right? Oh, maybe it's someone else. Uh, it is Dolores then that I'm thinking of. Was it Dolores? Oh, oh yeah, it was Do- Dolores Davis was uh 62. Yeah. Was Ortega, uh, Ortega was 35 because that was his first killing was the uh, Otero family. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of. Husband, wife, and then the two youngest kids. Right. And then the three older kids came home and found their family like yeah yeah so Dolores that's the one that I was thinking of but I mean how awful to you know and especially for this poor poor daughter to be like how could you do that to the sweet old lady that we you know just say hi to um Mm -hmm. and I think this was also his last one and the one that he left the boy scout trip to go kill right right ugh yeah yeah it definitely seems like he was very he'd been thinking about that one for a while um yeah yeah and and i'd also forgotten that he he signed the letters with bill thomas kilman (laughs) right right btk but it's like funny you really couldn't have thought of like a different last name but kilman Kilman. i mean He does do, like, in the interviews and stuff in his letters, he does, like, have this, I don't know, we call it me search in my gender class. Um, Mm. But this, like, he's really obsessed with serial killers and serial killer psychology. And so, like, he's like, well, I'm a serial killer, so you should know serial killers do this thing. And I'm like, yeah, but also you're a data point in this, like, trend, dude. (laughs) But he doesn't want to be. Yeah, I know. In the, in the interview, he's like, well, if you knew anything about serial killers, we have this trolling period. And yeah, and it's like, I mean, he's just such, he's such a narcissist. Just 100%. Yeah. And it, well, and he would, um, right, he would put notes in serial boxes and they think that it was literally in figure. Oh, come <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was punny too. He was very, very punny. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it, it sounds like, like again, like the, the narcissistic quality that 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 it wasn't just about like that. It's like if he if he was going to do this and he was going to engage in it, he didn't want to be a data point like you were saying. He wanted to be the archetype. Yeah, he wanted to kind of fit. And so when people talked about like what makes your average serial killer, he's got to be it. He's got to play the. I mean, what is it? The 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 social idea. He's the exemplar. He's yeah. the the form of you know the the Greek philosophy form of the serial killer, um, and it it makes me wonder like if he started out like that or if maybe like after he started killing he was like all right like if I'm gonna do this like learns about serial killers tries to like begin emulating and and playing into that and so it, it really even begins to question like if this is all some like big narcissistic fantasy to be feared or um, appreciated for his craft or whatever it may be that, that it's something that like developed that even like the trolling period, this, and then coming back to it was just all part of like needing to maintain this persona as a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's the case. Cause I'm looking at his kill list right now and we start with the family and then we go into this long line of like 20 year old women 
through the 70s and 80s. Well, except for uh, Marnie Head, she was 53. Um, but then we hit Dolores Davis at the very end in 91, who's 62. So I'm wondering if this period is him like uh, manipulating his own behavior to like match the theories of serial killers so that way he can be the exemplar. He's like, I'm going to get into a college classroom or like on a psychology podcast for this. I'm like, <laughs> oh, <the rats>. perfect. <laughs> I'm the perfect serial killer. But I'll give him some taunting, though. He did not engage in necrophilia or cannibalism, so he's not the coolest. <laughs> he fails, uh, ultimately. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but, uh, just, I mean, just, just the, like, just the Boy Scout leader part. That That's one of those things that's, like, really, you're, you're a Boy Scout leader, you're the president of your church congregation. You're part of the neighborhood watch. Uh, you know, you have a full-time job with your wife and your two little strapping children. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, I guess that that part is ironic if you think about it in relation to your sort of classic serial killer, which as what we knew about them back in you know late 70s early 80s was we just thought of them as this loner mm-hmm. you know so he certainly wouldn't have fit the bill there but maybe that part didn't matter because he just wanted to have a good enough cover-up i mean who knows um well he compartmentalized really well and yeah. so that might be a part of it too that this aspect of himself was the kind of loner archetypical like he developed it um, but again, like as a narcissist, he definitely couldn't separate it completely because he wanted, he enjoy, he seemed to enjoy that attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much so that it ruined him in the end. Um, yeah, yeah, I think this puts him above like the Genesee River Killer who would like hang out with the cops at the Dunkin' Donuts because like that's like flirting with danger, so it like gets your adrenaline up, and you're like, hee hee, they don't know. But this guy's like. They need to know everything. Yes. And the, the letters, like there's one here um, that he wrote. I mean, and, and this is readily available online. Um, so no, no plagiarism, but admittedly, I'll be I'll, I'll just going to read a little bit of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I find the newspaper not writing about the poem in vain on amusing. A little paragraph would have enough. I know it not the media fault. The police chief, he kept things quiet and doesn't let the public know they're a psycho running around loose, not even loose, loose, strangling mostly women. There are seven in the ground who will be next. I I wonder if he was, was writing this like incorrectly on purpose or if he really didn't. I, I don't know. It, it's so hard as, as like a college professor. <laughs> like all I think about is grammar and I'm like. <laughs> I also wonder maybe if like he's, I don't know, this is grotesque, but I'm wondering if he's like jerking off and choking himself while he's writing this too. Mm, sure could be. And so like grammar is the last thing on his mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just wants to get it out, but he's like, and he's like fantasizing about like people finding it and reading it and getting scared about it and about him being oh. famous and talked about. And that turns him on. And that I turns mean, him d- on. So that way he's like, you know, 
he's got penis brain while he's writing this. Yeah. And I guess doesn't want to potentially get caught with it, so isn't going to go back and like edit it. He's not going to put it in the church bulletin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, um, there was one of uh, was it the last lady, I believe Dolores, that he think he took to his church and took pictures of. Um, which, you know, certainly not, not the best idea to actually take your victim to a public place like that. But um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. And it's in, in his interrogation. Um, and I believe it is there's this, the video of his court proceedings where he says that, yeah, he had his next victim already chosen. Mm-hmm. And so if he hadn't, hadn't been caught, um, who knows? Hopefully they, well, I honestly don't know if I'd really want to know if, if that was me, especially now that he's caught. But I also wonder, too, because that was a long period between 1991 and 2005. Yeah. Like, are there other people that he's killed that we don't know about in that 10-year period? Because I just, I have a feeling that, like, once you get up to this level, like, it's pretty hard to quit it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, are there people that he's, like, not talking about between this period? But it also seems like he would be the kind of guy who does talk about that. And right. so, like, like it, especially for kind of taking this idea of him crafting this almost like serial killer persona is that in 91 he stops because something else comes up something else is devoting his time maybe he finds some satisfaction in life he's got kids he's got this family and then something could be the cold case it could be wanting to kind of like it like it triggers that aspect of his narcissism and that he kind of comes back i mean i'm not like gonna try to psychoanalyze the guy but it makes me think like the way he would want to be open with it um and want to be this kind of archetypical serial killer it it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like one of those cases where he's trying to hide it Mm -hmm. and that he would try to hide what 10 years 14 years of um of murders when he could have been playing into that that role I and mean, maybe he he went off and i don't know found something else um oh i'm wondering the dude's still alive and incarcerated yeah and so i'm wondering if he has like secret stories that he plans on releasing like in the mm. near future and like that, reopens a bunch of cases and causes another freak out i can see that I can see him being like, you know, nobody's talked about me in long enough time. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's get this back going again. Do you all um, remember so-and-so who was like mysteriously <laughs> killed in like 93? <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trolling and oh yeah, he called him his projects. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He called him his projects. He's like, so I, ha- I had another project in the works. Uh, yeah yeah just that that terminology is so it it makes people so sort of inanimate to him i think you know it's um yeah well i mean it's it's got to be part of the idea though right is like i think even i mean even even as a as a narcissist like you it almost it makes me feel like in order to do something like this you have to like 
see the person as as less than you have to mm-hmm. to view them as like the other whatever it may be it makes me think of like the hubris of people who get into relationships and are like i can fix him or i can fix her <laughs> yeah. and i'm like now that I'm, like we're in this context i'm like is that like a seed of narcissism that like you can fix right? your partner yeah well and then I, I always bring things like that back it's like do I want someone to quote-unquote fix me mm-hmm. yeah I think I'm fine just the way I am you know and I like if, if you try to uh, I mean you know if there are some things that that do need to be fixed and yeah but yeah yeah that's true hmm. so, um and so I also looked up and saw I, I just wanted to see when his children were born to see if that was any connection. His son was born in 1973 and his daughter was born in 1978. Oh, okay. So that would, you know, if if you really started this, what, 1974? I mean, so his son was born, his son was little. Um, 1991, I mean, I was born in 79. So I'm thinking 1991, it's like a middle school elementary school so that that's the only thing that i could think of if he actually did stop that maybe Mm -hmm. his kids were getting to a point where like oh they they may kind of catch on or you know um maybe like old enough to like actually like he may have an issue with like children like small children but like now that they're like developing like their personalities and identities and stuff he can actually engage in them better engage with them better so now he's like stepping into the dad role and that's the fulfilling thing through the 90s well but like in the 90s his kids are like almost 20 like that's true so like he's he's killing throughout like their entire childhood and so well like the you said they were i mean I, i was born in 79 and i graduated from high school in 97 well, you said so you, just, you said he was he was born in um the son was born in what seventy three you said yeah so certainly that yes that puts him older. quite a bit older he would have been eighteen yeah his daughter would have been more in line with your timeline though so yeah maybe he's, like invested in his daughter it just sounds like yeah he I mean he took her fishing he built her um did I already say this we talk about this yeah. Thing. Uh, yeah so i mean they kids are a lot of work they keep you busy oh my gosh so that's the truth (laughs) yes it is um yeah so that i mean right maybe he was just so busy with that and then certainly when you're the president of your congregation at your church you know that that takes up a lot of time boy scouts takes up a lot of time sure does sure does the the neighborhood watch i mean and he's definitely he's definitely not like some of the other serial killers we talked about and probably some of the other ones we will talk about who are like not in relationships they can't hold relationships they don't have kids and so he he's in this kind of almost unique situation where he he is a bit atypical as much as he tries to kind of fit that typical persona he he is atypical in his life outside of the kind of serial killer um uh, his his killing behaviors is that he's he's very much seemingly the kind of an average individual outside of this this thing that he goes out and does and so at right. some point maybe it all just sort of 
piles up and he's just like, well, I, I get to do one of the two things. And if you're keeping busy and maybe like, like you said, like he's not bored, he's doing stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, it, it is. It's and the fact, I mean, yeah, the fact that he was in, married right and, and all those things and I don't know what his relationship was like with his um wife I, I don't know a lot about that except that of course she divorced him you know as soon as he was caught <laughs> um rightfully so um so I you really kind of wonder what that was like but uh I really have not heard much from her um but her, the daughter says it was just normal that she seemed uh, or seemingly had this sort of picture perfect classic kind of Midwest middle class upbringing and everything was fine and it was it, it was good. Um, so yeah, it, it didn't seem like there was there were any signs of course to her. Um, I can't even imagine the wife, poor wife, finding out. And then, of course, there's, you know, people tend to blame the spouse if there is one. It's like, how did you not notice this? How did you not see the signs? Um, but again, you know, if somebody really is at a Boy Scout camp out, that's where you would assume that they are. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's really just quite shocking how somebody can maintain both of these images uh, and right maybe n neither one nor the other is a facade it's just both um yeah but but he you know go, going or tying it back into the narcissism but he definitely really liked to be known and really enjoyed um the the notoriety and he enjoyed huh, well, I don't know if I, I should, I can say that because some of this interview with him or him basically explaining what occurred in court, it, it's not as if he's sort of smiling and necessarily enjoying it. He almost seems bored and annoyed. Um, Kind of like there's one part where he has this big size, like, like, okay, I, I guess I'll keep telling you about what I did. Um, And it's, yeah, you see some other serial killers. Um, like in my class, we were just talking about, uh, or a student was presenting on um, uh, Richard Ramiro. Anyway, and and I mean, in his court pictures, he's all dressed up in a suit and he's got his sunglasses on and he's all smiling at people. And, you know, Dennis Rader wasn't doing that, but he just seemed so annoyed that he had to kind of go through everything again, which you'd think that really, that that would sort of, that they would like that, you know? It's like, oh, I get to relive this again, uh, but maybe not, you know, in the context of a bunch of people and cameras and things like that, but. But also like, maybe wouldn't the it... fantasy was better than the reality. Oh, yeah. Or, or yeah. like the, the, maybe the perception of like, you know, like, like the narcissist's perception of fame is that you don't have to reiterate what you've done. People know mm. what you've done. People know who you are. People don't have to be reminded of of you, um, and Heck him yeah. having to go through it. Much like like his letters, where he's like, 
hey, you guys aren't talking about this. Like, there's this thing that happened. Like, they're covering it up. Like, this is important. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to talk about it. You need to be spreading the word. And if you're not doing that, then he's not getting his his fix, his notoriety. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, I bet that's exactly what it was. Because, yeah, he's just like, yeah, I, I mean, doesn't everybody doesn't everybody already know all of this? And so, why do I have to talk? Yeah, I, it almost probably seems insulting to him. Even um, when he is talking in court, and he's like, "Well, I guess you don't know much about you know serial killers, right?" And so even then and there, I mean, it's some of that's the narcissism, and some of that tied into that certainly is. You know, you get, you all should already know all of this. Why do I have to repeat it to you? Um, like you guys are basically dumbasses, you know. Um, it, yeah. So his, his, I want to touch a, a bit as well on, um, you know, his, his daughter. Um, again, wrote a book, etc. Um, but just talks about how she initially had tried to kind of still have some sort of relationship with him where they just didn't talk about that, you know, the ginormous like herd of elephants in the room. Um, but then eventually he would, I think he sent her letters or he basically was, was showing who he, the other side of him. Um, and just really wanted the focus to sort of be on that and be on him. And she eventually was like, I'm out, I'm done. And so it's no contact with him. Her children have no contact with him, um, which is really no, no surprise there. Um, but yeah, I feel like that would be so, uh, I don't know. It would just be really, really difficult. Um, Cause it, it's one thing to sort of, hear about this other side of, of your dad but then to have him really act like that in front of you as well and in relation to you I think would just be like overboard very much overboard um so I was gonna say can I talk about how he's caught because it's so like I I, 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 I was actually gonna ask you about that because like I <laughs> I know a little bit about him and like we've been talking about how like he kind of got himself caught but I don't know exactly like, like the details of how that happened, of, of of whether or not it was like he just went like, hey, it's me or like he yeah, went yeah. killed someone and like was just way too sloppy with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely interested in hearing that. Yes. And and I hate to say that I sort of like this part because his narcissism and what not him caught. Um, and so just the irony of that, I find Maybe I'm sick. I don't know if I have that sort of satisfied. I'm like, oh, good. Um, so, uh, yeah, he would use, you know, the, the cereal boxes, right? Um, and would put notes in them. But really what uh, kind of the catalyst was is that it had been like 30 years since the initial murder. And um, someone from the Wichita newspaper decided to write a some sort of editorial on it. Like, hey, it's been 30 years. This is still a cold case. We still don't know who this is. And so it was all brought to the forefront and he just clearly couldn't take that. He still didn't have the notoriety from it. Um, so 
and this was so the last time that we know of his the last murder was what 1991 and this was in about 2004 um and so then he decided to get in touch with um the newspaper and, and law enforcement and basically was like um yeah no i'm i'm still here i haven't died i haven't been incarcerated for something else um you just haven't been able to catch me and i'm i'll and so he even took a picture of um, one of the victims uh, license uh, driver's license to really be like, mm -hmm, I, I have proof that this still is me. And I, I don't even know what the word is, if it's irony or what, but he asked law enforcement, Hey, if I send you a floppy disk, remember the days of floppy disks, not even the mm -hmm. hard ones, the floppy ones. Um, Hey, Hey, if I send that to you, are you, you going to be able to trace it back to me? They're like, no, of course not. <laughs> really? Really? So then he does. So he ha he sends them a floppy disk, um, thinks that he's erased all evidence, any way to trace him. Uh, turns out, you know, uh, the the IT department knew a little bit more than he did, and so they were able to trace the floppy disk back to the church. I know exactly how he was able to. They were able to do it. He didn't erase the metadata from the word doc. <laughs> and so the owner was the Lutheran church and the last edit was made by Dennis. And they're like, oh, hmm, no. who's Dennis at the Lutheran church? So for all you yeah. academics out there, erase your metadata before you send papers to peer review. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. So. I'll be talking to you about that after. <laughs> it's real easy. Yeah. Yeah. So That's... exactly. He he thinks that he is sneaky enough and that, and apparently he was pretty like PO'd that they lied to him about that, that they weren't <laughs> honest and, and forthright right? <laughs> about the fact that they could get the information. Um, yeah. Boomer, so they exactly. Boomer, they, Boomer they, serial they, killer gets caught by Microsoft Word. Uh -huh. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they go to the church and they're like, ooh, who's at this here? They're like, well, here's our the president of our con congregation, Dennis Rader. Um, get the, here's a kicker, too, is they got DNA from his daughter. And then they were able to trace that to the victims. And so it, it's interesting. In an interview with the daughter, they, they sort of ask if she feels any guilt about the fact that she allowed them to do that. And I'm like, you've. I, I don't know how old she was. She was in her mid twenties, but yeah, I, I I don't know how they framed it or how they phrased it, but yeah, they they got her DNA, and so uh, apparently she's to blame and for you know for actually doing that, which is absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, yeah, and then they got her data from her pap smear too. Oh, but you can't just go in and well, unless you have a, um. Yeah, uh, warrant. Yeah. No, I think they oh. got her DNA from the pap smear. Oh, and in okay, interesting. I didn't know that. I I wonder if like with this like increase in technology, are we in an age of just like fewer serial killers because it's just so much harder with uh, a lot of the tech and like especially anyone who wants to be like famous. So like you couldn't really have like. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe you could still have like a Zodiac today, 
Um, but just like you couldn't do that digitally. You'd still have to be like an analog writing letters to the newspaper. And even then, like technology has increased to such a degree. Um, I mean, now, like you don't even need a warrant. The police just call 23 and me and say, hey, give us all your data uh, on, on, on these particular people. And then they can like trace genetic material back several generations. I mean, it's uh, what is it? BlackRock, yeah, uh, owns Ancestry.com, and I think Motel Sixes, <laughs> and they were giving data from the Motel yeah. Sixes or Motel Eights or whatever to uh, the DHS to catch uh, illegal immigrants, mm-hmm. and so now they have the Ancestry.com data, so. <sighs> Well, there's, so if you look at any document that shows the prevalence um, of serial, or maybe incidents is is a better term since it's uh, maybe new cases, but um, of serial killing, there's a huge uptick in the 1980s, huge. Um, And so everyone's like, was it the cocaine? Like what what is going on, you know? Uh, But DNA evidence was finally was finally around and finally used um, in forensics in court cases starting in like the early to mid eighties. So there you go. And then certainly when people caught on that they were going to get caught um, due to their, their DNA, then I think it really started to taper off. But I think that that was a huge reason um, that it, you know, on paper, there's, there's that huge uptick. Certainly the numbers were probably pretty darn similar uh, we just didn't know. And then, of course, the world population has doubled since, what, like 1940, 1950. Yeah. So a lot more people around um, to be serial killers, unfortunately. So, it's Blackstone, not Blackrock. My bad. That's close enough, right? Close enough. <laughs> They're both evil corporations. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, I also wonder, though, too, like, and this may be something I'll have to bring to our next episode, but my impression is that like there are more cold cases right now than there have ever been because like the cops aren't following up on like hard cases. They're only like snatching easy cases. Oh, so we've got a backlog of the stuff that's going to be more difficult because it's all, it's all results oriented. It's all corporate. Now you have to write so many tickets. You have to, make so many busts mm. and so you take the easier stuff and then you leave the hard stuff to Sick. no one's gonna do it because you, you're gonna lose your job otherwise because i know there's like a massive backlog of rape kits too that oh, aren't being processed thing. oh yeah, yeah. It's something on that too that's disturbing so i'm wondering if like yeah we have the D- dna evidence but like even if you're just like a little bit crafty like they're yeah. not gonna follow up because it's like well what do we do? Let's bust some kids for pot. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, fair enough. That's um but I'll double check that on the unsolved cases, but I'm fairly certain that there are more unsolved cases right now than there ever have been. That sucks. But I'll double check those stats and bring it back to y'all next week. Okay. I'm interested in that, yeah. Yeah, so I I, I guess to wrap. Um, B2K is incarcerated. Yay. For 
I think he was given like 10 life sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, he was actually caught on his streets. He was driving home and the police had been watching him, um, obtained a warrant, etc. But yeah, so I mean, literally, I, I guess in a sense, he got the notoriety he wanted because all of his neighbors, you know, saw, but yeah, so he literally arrested right outside his home. And eventually, because people sort of ask, well, what, you know, what happened to the home or what happened to kind of this place where this awful, awful person lived. Um, and I, I guess the city or the county bought it for like 60 grand, you know, just the bare minimum that they had to, and then they demolished it. Which the, the poor daughter just says that, you know, she goes back she goes back there and it's like her her childhood home isn't there anymore. Yeah. And certainly she she can't have like family Christmases and things like that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she still does with her mother. But yeah, it's not really this adult picture that she had in her mind, of course. So and he's still alive, unfortunately. Ooh, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to transition at this <laughs> point to like the bias of the week. I'm like, well, oh, <sighs> uh, on that heavy note, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess as as we're kind of um, nearing the end, do you guys have any any I guess last thoughts on on BTK or on this this situation or narcissism in general before I kind of throw out our bias of the week and we conclude? I think we should conclude. <laughs> just conclude. get me out of here. This is hell. <laughs> I just yeah. I he. It's for somebody to be able to compartmentalize like that to that degree scares the crap out of me. It is so frightening. And honestly, I think part of why it's so scary is just thinking, I mean, I, I'm i a single mom here. Like, what if I somehow meet some guy? Great, great my, my boyfriend's very sweet. But, you know, what? what if like, but you don't know, you know? I mean, so what if you end up with this person and they're really someone else. It's I feel like that the sort of personal aspect is right. That might that might get into what we talked about last episode with like people in their twenties and thirties are having less sex. Like no one's taking as many chances anymore. We're not you know right. going out. Um, uh, people aren't going out. People aren't um, you know just just engaging in like random. I mean even like pre COVID. Right. You were starting to see this decline and like maybe this willingness to to just throw yourself out there because we're more aware that mm-hmm. people like this can exist. And so we just, you know, even just taking those minor precautions can change. I mean, controversial opinion. I think public sex was way safer than our current digital app driven nightmare. Cause like at least yeah, you well, can call for yeah. help yeah. from the back of the bar than if you like meet a stranger online and go to their apartment get alone. trapped in the in the in the next you know the next um i don't know we, we call like the uber killer the uber oh. killer right i just oh. take you on a drive or the somewhere. tender killer yeah oh. the airbnb killer like, I'm trying. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to like think of like 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 we need to like make like a, I don't I don't want to make some like catchy alliterative name. Uh, and then some someone's like oh that's a good idea that's i'm gonna become idea. the next serial killer true 
Hmm. So on so, that note, we probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so on yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> on that note, reject modernity, embrace the tradition of cruising. <laughs> yeah. Cruising for your safety. Neighborhood uh, watch. Yes. Yes. I need a sign like I need a I need a metal sign that says that now for my office. Neighborhood right. watch. Christmas present. Cruising. Yeah, and say football chipping. And on that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.